Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. If you would, go with me to Matthew 14. Matthew chapter 14. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. All the time and all the time, God is good. Y'all remember, okay. That one's still relevant, still good. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 14, I'm going to start with verse 13. A familiar story, a familiar passage, but let's see what the Lord wants to speak to us tonight. I'm going to be reading from the New Living. It says, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area. It says to be alone, to be alone. Being alone is not the same as loneliness, okay? Being alone uh, is not the same as loneliness. He's not trying to get away because he wants to be off, you know, by himself, to himself. Um, This was after he received the news, actually, of his cousin John, the Baptist, being beheaded. And when he heard that news, being a man just like you and I, uh, there was a response to that. And so he... Uh, left in a boat to a remote area, the New King James actually says, to a deserted place to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. The crowds heard where he was headed. You, You ever notice in times where you need to be alone the most, that just seems to be the place of the most demand as well? Yeah, have you ever told your kids, I just need to be alone? You ever told your coworkers, I just need to be alone for a moment? Told your husband or your wife, I, I just need to be alone right now, right? But it seems like when we have a need for isolation or a need uh, for this opportunity to get alone, and by the way, Jesus isn't just getting alone, he's getting alone with the Father. Jesus didn't get Jesus didn't isolate to get away from something. Jesus isolated to get close to something, okay? Jesus wasn't getting away like, I can't be with you right now. I need, to, I need some space. Give me my space. No, he said, I need to get close to the Father. And sometimes to get closer to something, you've got to get away from something else. To receive from something from God, you've got to remove something from your life. And so Jesus was isolating not because I, I can't handle the pressure, I can't. But he recognized, I need to get close to the Father. I need to get near to the Father, get near to his heart. You know, when demand weighs on us, and when, when the demand, you've heard me say this before, that burnout is the result of the demand on the outside being greater than the resource on the inside. I'll say that again. Burnout in our life. Burnout occurs. We've all experienced it. You might be experiencing it now. We're all burnt out from something, whether it's work or media or, uh, uh, you know, demand on our life or stresses of our, whatever it is. Burnout occurs when the demand on the outside is greater than the resource on the inside. And so Jesus says, okay, I'm running low, near empty. So you got to know when to refuel. You got to know when to get out of the demand and get into the deposit. 
get out of the demand where everything's drawing on you and get into the deposit where I'm pouring something in. Because here's the thing, if nothing's going in, I've got nothing to give away. If you're not putting anything in, then you don't have anything to get, give away. And we all come into situations, even Jesus, Jesus himself came into a situation where the demand on the outside is greater than the resource on the inside. So I've got to refuel. I've got to ingest. I've got to focus on me. I've got to get something in me because there will be greater demand on the other side. There will be something that will have to be drawn from me. There will be. Every time God makes a demand on your life, it's an indicator of what he's deposited into your life. Because God never demands without first depositing. That wouldn't be fair, would it? I know our kids demand of us what we haven't deposited. I know our, our jobs and our situations in life might demand, but God never makes a demand where he's never made a deposit. He doesn't do it. But you have to know the season you're in. Am I in a demand season? Am I in a deposit season? Am I in a season where I'm meeting others' needs or am I in a season where I need to get mine met? I need to focus on this. And if we get those backwards, look, it's just as dangerous to remain in deposit mode when you should be in demand mode as it is to be in demand mode when you should be in deposit mode. You can stay somewhere too long. You can remain isolated too long. Because what happens then? Then we just get fat. Then we just get plump. Then we just, we, we just sit back on what we're, oh, I'm just receiving. No, sometimes you need to be doing. Sometimes you need to be doing. Sometimes you need to be active. So, and, and I would even say most of the time. You look in Jesus' ministry, it's not accompanied mostly by him just isolating himself to the woods and the wilderness and the side of the mountain and getting in the boat and going to the other side. Most of his ministry was giving, 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 giving. And he didn't need a lot of deposit to meet a, a, a great demand. He didn't. He could spend one night on the side of a mountain and spend an entire day or several days ministering to the people. Because what you can get from God in a moment can, can prepare you and sustain you for a very long time if you'll spend these moments of isolation. See, what I'm trying to show you tonight is isolation is actually preparation. Isolation is actually preparation. Jesus didn't isolate to detox. Jesus isolated to get something in him. Usually our isolation and our periods of isolation is to get stuff off of us. And that happens, but we don't ever think about what are you putting on me? And so we come out of isolation with the wrong mindset. We come out of isolation of, of, uh, of, of not wanting to give and pour into and help others and God, what's the job or the assignment or the role or the responsibility? We, we come out of isolation just with our, just sitting on our hands, not actively ready for what God has prepared you for. If you come out of isolation with Jesus, with the Father, you should be more ready in that moment to get to work for the kingdom of God, to do something for the kingdom of God, not to grow comfortable in our convenience and not grow comfortable in our isolation, but rather it's preparation for what's on the other side. I mean, this is a family tragedy. 
This wasn't just a close friend. This was his cousin. This was the one that prepared the way. This was the one that ultimately gave his life and gave his head for him. You could say this is an emotional burnout. This is a moment uh, where he's feeling a level of depletion. So what does he do? He gets in a boat, goes to, the, goes, goes to a deserted area or remote area to be alone, but the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. So verse 14, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had what? Compassion. He could easily have uh, weight. He could easily have uh, angst or anger or, uh, you know, what, whatever other emotion that, that we tend to find ourselves in when we're in need of these times of uh, isolation or I need a deposit from heaven. I need to get something from God. And, and so then we can look out at the problems in life and the challenges in life and see burdens rather than blessings, see opposition rather than opportunities, see challenge and conflict rather than the very answer for which you are to be the bringing the solution to. Amen. And Jesus looked out on the crowd and he didn't just see a bunch of challenges and issues. He saw an opportunity and he was moved with compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. And Jesus said, I know, I chose it, I picked it. I tried to get to a remote place. You turned a remote place into, you know, a a mobilized city. You brought everybody with you. That's not so remote anymore, right? He's, he, the, the disciples are now saying, you picked a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. And so the disciples highlight the problem with the remote place. The disciples highlight the problem with isolation. Well, now you're too far away from resource. Now, now we don't have enough supply to meet the need. This, this remote place, see, Jesus went to the remote place to get the supply. But the disciples saw the remote place as the place of a lack of supply. It's all about perspective. You know, the seasons that we end up in, guys, are, are really how you come out of it and how you come through it is really just based on your perspective. It's your perspective of the season. Are you, are you just focused on the weights and the pressures and the burdens of the season you're in? Are we just focused on all the conflict and the problems and the challenges? Are we just focused on the demand? Or do we shift our perspective and we see it as an opportunity for a deposit? As an opportunity for God to show us something he's never shown us before. As an opportunity to be an answer to a problem rather than just fixating on the problem. You got two different groups of people. You got Jesus and you got the disciples and both of them are approaching this circumstance and this situation completely differently. One sees the remote place, the isolation, the deserted place as a problem. We're too far away from the supply. And Jesus says, that's why I came out here was to get a supply. Where, where are you getting your supply in the season you're in? 
What are you expecting to meet your needs in the season you're in? Because if you're not careful and we try to draw our supply from the wrong source, then you will incorrectly interpret the season that you're in. And you'll think it's something that rather than seeing God trying to bring you to a place, you'll think you're stuck in a place or you think that you're, you're too far from where God wants you to be. Because look at their next statement. This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Challenge, challenge, challenge. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Send the crowds away. If you incorrectly interpret the season you're in, you will always think your supply is somewhere else. We do this all the time, don't we? If I just had this, if I was just in this position, if I just had this much money, if my kids would just do this, and if my spouse would operate this way, and if my boss could just see this, and if, and, and, and so we'll constantly go through life thinking the supply that we need is always somewhere else. And all we'll do is make excuses, excuses, excuses. And all we'll do is see problems, 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 and conflict, conflict. And we'll always misinterpret what God is trying to do in the season, in the place you're in right now. I mean, a lot of times when, when, when we're helping people, counseling people, we're talking through things with people, uh, a lot of times we just have to help them see that you have what you need right now, right now, right where you're at. You don't need different friends. You don't need different relationships. You don't need a different marriage. You don't need a different situation. You don't need a different house. You don't need a different geographical place. You don't need a new job. You have what you need right where you're at, at least to get started. There is no reason why we should be sitting on our hands, looking out at a crowd that needs us and say, "Ah, you need to go somewhere else. So maybe the remote place Maybe the deserted place, maybe the isolated place is the very place God wants to show you a side of himself that he can't show you when you're constantly surrounded by supply. See, isolation can provide the opportunity to place your full trust and reliance and dependence on him. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. But when you're surrounded by supply constantly, you have people pouring into your life and, and, and everything's going just right and, and, and you have everything around you to meet your needs naturally. Well, guess what? If you're relying on something to meet your needs, then God can never meet your needs. And here's the great thing about when God meets your needs, God meets your needs exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. Have you ever noticed that even when a natural resource meets your need, all it does is meet your need? (laughs) If that, the world is great at bare minimum. The world is great at getting you just to the point of satisfaction or just to the point where you come back to it the next time. But Jesus, when he meets your needs, goes above and beyond. He gets it all. He wants to cover it all. I said, Jesus wants to cover it all. 
Jesus wants to go above and beyond what you need. But many times we don't give God the opportunity because we don't isolate enough. We don't separate enough. We don't get to the remote place enough. And we're constantly expecting and relying on things around us to meet our needs. Maybe it's a vulnerability. Maybe it's an identity issue. Maybe it's an emotional state. And you always have something you go to. It's a song. It's a show. Uh, It's a person. It's a conversation. And so we rely and we depend on the wrong things to be the supply when God wants to be the supply. When God wants to meet the need. God is trying to, he's, he's trying to move us to a place and say, I'm not trying to isolate you, to, to, to separate you out and get you off alone just for the sake of, uh, of removing things out of your life. I want you to be in the place where you can receive something into your life. But until he removes the demand, I can't make the deposit. Until he removes the demand on your life, then I can't make the deposit into your life. And sometimes, many of us, we get caught up in being the need meter. We get caught up in being the one to solve the problem every time. And we become addicted to the problem. I said we become addicted to the problem. We become addicted to the value we feel about ourselves when I solve that person's issue. And then we get mad when they didn't come to us to talk about this situation or this, their challenge or their, why didn't they tell me about it? Oh, I would have loved to have talked because there's a problem with you. There's a cycle and a habit you're in. You're stuck in being the need meter. You're stuck in being the savior. You're stuck in being the problem solver for everybody. And we're not pointing them to Jesus. We're not pointing them to the source. You're just the resource. And God used you in one season to speak into someone's life. But now this season, he's wanting to show them, come to me. Come to the father. You don't need this individual. You don't need this person. See, Jesus wasn't ever moved by the people. Jesus was a different kind of pastor. Jesus was a different kind of shepherd. Because to be a shepherd, you have to have what? Sheep. (laughs) Right? But Jesus never was moved by the demand of the people. Jesus was never, oh, I just, I, I got to stay. Yeah, I, I just read y'all a verse a few weeks ago about Jesus in Luke chapter 4, where they were begging him to stay. Please, Jesus, stay in our town. Preach some more. We want to hear some more. We want to see some more. We want to see more of those miracles. We want to see more of, we want to hear more about the kingdom. And he said, I can't, I have to go to other cities. You know what most pastors and ministers would have done? Sign me. I'll do it. I, I grew up with some of those evangelists and ministers. They'd hold a one-week revival, turned into a two-week revival, turned into a three-week revival, turned into a four-week revival. Yeah. Why? Because the people want you there. The people need, people love to be where they're valued, right? People love to be, you know, I heard uh, someone just this week was sharing uh, about missions, world missions, and he was trying to help people understand, and he's a missionary, but he was trying to help people understand that you can be on the mission field right here where you're at. Your world is your mission field. He said, you know why people want to go overseas so much? 
You know why people want to go to to Africa and these barren regions? You know why people say, I have a heart for this nation? Yes, God will put a burden on most, but but most people want to go there because those people don't know you. Because the people right around you, they know you. And you don't feel valued because they know your stuff. They know who you are. They know your history. They know your past. And Jesus, he went back to his hometown. And because of familiarity, couldn't do any sign, couldn't do a wonder, couldn't do a miracle except save uh, or, or except heal a few people. And he stayed in the area going on a circuit of teaching and preaching to them, building their faith, even though they rejected him. He said a prophet isn't without honor except in his own hometown among his own people. That's why we say we want to go over and do this. We're always wanting to reach people that don't know anything about us. So Jesus never operated by the demand of the people. He operated by the deposit of the Father. That's what, that, that was Jesus' motivation in ministry, in life. I'm not going to stay somewhere just because people want me, because there's coming a day where they don't want me here. There's coming a day they can't tolerate what I have to say. There's coming a day where I'm going to say some things and they're going to turn and run the other direction as fast as they can. They're going to call me a lunatic, call me a crazy person, call me a psycho, and eventually kill me, put me on a cross, take my life, and I'm still going to die for them. I'm still going to finish out the plan, but I will not be motivated by people's problems. And a lot of us, we're, we're, we're merely moving from one problem to the next. That's all we do. Where's the next problem? Solve this one. Who else needs my help? Who else needs my attention? Who else needs my focus? And all the while, God is trying to say, I need to do some stuff in you. I need to do some stuff in your life. I'm trying to reveal myself to you. I'm trying to show you who I am to you. There's problems in there I need to work on. There's struggles and challenges in there. And and, and at the end of the day, when there's a demand, 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 At some point, there's got to be a deposit. There's got to be something dropped in. There's got to be that opportunity of isolation. But when we end up in isolation, if we don't have a clear interpretation of what God is trying to do and where we are, we'll misinterpret the season and think that we need to be somewhere else to get what God has for us. And that's what the disciples perceived. This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. That isn't necessary. You feed them. Verse 17, but we have only. But we have only. Those four words. It's usually where we start. You, you know, the first step away from God and, and the first step away from faithfulness, the first step is a lack of gratitude. That's always the first step. If we could check ourselves at the first moment that we don't feel grateful anymore. We would, we would stop ourselves and keep ourselves from walking away from the things of God in our life. It always starts 
with the lack of gratitude. I now take for granted the things that one day I was grateful for. I now treat as common what one day I treated as valuable. I now treat with disdain what one day I prayed for, asked for, on my knees for, earnestly yearned for, sought God for. And now we treat it as, eh. it always starts with the lack of gratitude. That's the first step. When we don't praise about it anymore, we don't worship about it anymore, we don't say thank you for it anymore, we don't show value for it anymore, we don't give attention and focus to it anymore, we don't take care of it. I know what you care about by, uh, uh, by how you treat it, how you talk about it. Hello? Values are revealed. Values are evident. Values are not talked about. Values are lived out. What you value is evident to all. So the goal is, or, or, or the question rather, is do my words align with my actions pertaining to my values? Do I say I value something that I don't really show that I care and value? Do I, do I give the level of attention to something that I say I care about? That's the real question. But it always starts with the lack of gratitude. And look, anytime you end up in a place of isolation, anytime God is moving us to a remoted, remote place or a deserted place, again, to get something, not to get away from something, the first thing you're going to see is what you don't have. That's the first thing you're going to see. That's the first thing we're met with. Insufficiency. Deficiency. Lack. Not enough. Right? You're in an isolated place. Yeah, I'm aware that we don't have the supply that we have back in the metropolitan Judea, Galilee. On the, side of the, on the side of the sea or near the towns and villages where we have, uh, 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 and you know what? If we were in town near the place to buy the food, we, could, we would complain about not having enough to buy the food, right? We, just, we always find something to complain about. There's always, it's never good enough. It's never a situation that is ideal. So you have to learn to fixate and focus on what you do have rather than what you don't have. In this moment, in this moment, in this season, what do you have at your disposal? What do you have? What, what is available to you? You know, I, I, I heard um, a mom one time after her kids had grown and, and graduated, she said, you know, when my kids were young, I complained about all the laundry that we had to do. And the house was always a mess and all the cleaning that had to take place. And now they're grown, we're empty nesters, they're out of the house. I wish I had some dirty laundry right now. 
because it means that the kids were in the house. I could spend time with them and enjoy them. I wish that I had the mess. See, it's, it's seasons. When she had the kids in the home, she, all that she saw was the deficiency of time to herself and the deficiency of, you know, the, the rising laundry load and the mess everywhere. But then on the other season, on the flip side, there's always something that you'll miss in every season. There's always something you won't have in every season. And the enemy's real good at keeping deficiency in front of your face. The enemy's real good at keeping us focused on what we don't have rather than what we do have. But we have only. How many times have we said those words? Maybe not those exact four words, but in that same context, all I have is. All I have is. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Verse 18, Jesus responds and says, bring them here. Bring them here. Where are you taking what you do have? What you do with what you have determines what it becomes. What you do with what you have determines what it becomes. How many times do we hold on to what we do have and complain to God about what we don't have and he's saying, if you would give me what you do have, I'll turn it into what you need. I'll turn it into the very thing that you say you don't have right now. Give me what you do have. God, I don't have much time. Just give me what you got. You know, have you ever thought about you know, we say things like, all that God wants is all that you have. Right? You've heard us say that. Always asking for is your all. That's all. God, that's all I have. That's all I ask for. <laughs> right? But you know what God has promised you? All of him. Now think about that. Think about that deal real quick. All of you for all of him. Who got the cheap end of that bargain? God, this is all I have. He's saying, I know. It's all I ask for. And in return, I'll give you all that I am. And all that he is is far greater than all that I am. Bible says even our righteousness is as filthy rags. Even when I clean it up, it's still, it's still something you throw in the back of the closet. And you've given me the stuff that you only bring out when the fine guests show up. It's still just a rag that you use to clean the car and, and, and wash up the dirt with. The stuff you're getting, you're, the stuff I'm getting in return. See, see, it's not about the matter of the exchange. It's about the matter of the obedience. It's not, the, it's not about the matter of what you have to offer. It's how you offer it. Do you offer it to him reluctantly? 
Do you offer it to him thinking, ah, oh, that's all I got? Do you devalue it? And, 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 and so God is saying, I'm just looking for obedience. Bring it here. Bring it to me. Put it in my hands. And it's real easy when all you have is little to let go of that. Right? It's real easy to follow God's commands in giving of our tithe and our offering, giving of our time, giving of our resources when we have it flourishing. But really where the test is, is what do you do when it's all you have? Do we still obey at the same level? Because God's word and God's directives and God's commands in our life are never determined. He doesn't say, give me all you have unless that's all you have. I mean, if you, if you need it for what, you, what, what you're doing, then, then, then you hold on to it and, and just give me a little, or just, you know, pay me when you can or, or return it to me when you can. But no, he says, still the same word. But, 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 but God, it's 2020. Just bring me what you got. It's all I got. See, values is, is truly revealed in insufficiency. Obedience is truly revealed in the test. God doesn't even know what he has until the challenge shows up. See, isolation puts you in a position where God finds out, what do I really have down there? What are you really willing to do? You did this when everybody was watching. What do you do when nobody's watching? You serve that way when it's in front of everybody and, 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 and you receive the glory to yourself. How will you operate when, when nobody's watching? Nobody sees. Nobody may never know what you gave, what you did, what you sowed, what you cleaned, what, what you prepared. It's in that isolation. You remember David, King David? For King David, it started out as shepherd boy David. In isolation, in obscurity, out of sight, out of mind, so far out of mind, he wasn't even invited to the anointing party. We brought every other brother. Oh, there's, God, so sorry. There's another one out. Yeah, you know, David. He's just taking care of the sheep. Not, don't even bother. I didn't even remember. Didn't even, it's got to be one of these seven guys. And what was the isolation for David? preparation you don't prepare for the palace in the palace the preparation and look y'all don't y'all y'all we know we love preparation or at least the feeling of being prepared nobody loves having any, anything sprung on them without some notice Preparation in our world today is a billion-dollar industry. We love to be prepared. Give me some warning. Give me some time to get to Walmart and buy out all the water and toilet paper before you just spring a crisis on me. I got to be prepared. Get a generator. It's a billion-dollar industry. People love to be prepared for something. But are we willing to put in the work to be prepared? Are we willing to bring him all we have to be prepared? There's a preparation that God is trying to do 
in our lives. He said, bring them here. And he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. Notice the disciples are doing the distributing. They all ate as much as they wanted. All, they all ate as much as they wanted. Why? Because God does exceedingly abundantly. This is what God is doing in an isolated place. This is what God is doing in a remote place. Quit relying on the villages and the towns. Quit relying on the restaurants and the markets. Quit relying on what is easily accessible and available to you. The isolated place puts your dependence and reliance on God. And he met more. And look, this was a free meal. Have you ever eaten all that you wanted with no cost whatsoever? I mean, if you, if you went into town, you would eat as much as you could buy. Maybe not be fully satisfied and paid the price. And God is saying, I'll meet your need beyond what you were expecting. And it won't even cost you anything. I like that meal plan. I like that plan. Yeah, we all like it on the back end. But are we willing to go into the remote place with Jesus? Are we, go, are we willing to go into the isolation? With, are we willing to go into the preparation mode with Jesus? They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers, about 5,000 men, not including women and children, were fed that day. Were fed that day. Let me give you these two statements. Readiness is a matter of your hands. But willingness is a matter of your heart. Readiness is a matter of your hands. How are you allowing God to prepare you now? In the season you're in now. See, there's got to be a readiness. There's got to be, God, I'm ready. What are you developing? What are you working in me? What are you producing in me? What are you teaching me? What are you, and, and, and so and a lot of times, it'll be in a natural manner. You know, God wants us to prepare ourselves even naturally. I would hate that God would call me to an assignment and I wasn't ready with the proper skills, abilities, physical stamina. Physical preparation? Yeah, we don't talk about that one a lot in the church. But some of us can't answer the will of God because we're not in shape to do it. Hello? You gotta have your, you gotta have your body, your flesh suit to do what God's called you to do. Have we developed our skills and talents and gifts and abilities to where God could use us in a certain capacity? Or if we let, let them lie dormant. 
I just encouraged our worship team just this past weekend. I said, look, the better and better we get naturally, the easier it is to sit back and put in a, a least the least amount of effort. Have you ever found out that when you get good at something, the less the, the you put in less investment into it, less effort into it? Because it doesn't take as much effort as it used to. It doesn't take as much effort, I'll just be honest with you, to put together a sermon and, and, and to preach as it did 10 years ago. I'd work myself up. I'd start Monday after, you know, Monday morning, working on the following weeks. I'd type up 18 different outlines, 18 different sermons, get them all prepared. Saturday night, I'm working on it. Sunday morning, I mean, I'll be honest, I could come in here and you could surprise me. Hey, you're ministering today. Okay, let's pull something up. That's not, that's not boasting on me. You get good at stuff when you do it more and more. But it's the, the back end of that is we grow complacent. We show less value for it. We put in less effort. I'm, and so even today, I'm building myself as a communicator. I want to grow in my ability to prepare messages. I want to grow in my ability as a speaker. I want to grow in my ability in hearing the voice of God and, and being sensitive to his voice. Absolutely. So how are we doing with that? In our readiness with our hands. Willingness is a matter of the heart. Some of us go into isolation and God had to drag you there. You're coming. You know where the whole you know where the first place the Holy Spirit sent Jesus after he came up out of the water? It didn't send him to the mission field, didn't send him to the synagogue, didn't, didn't put him right into a position of preaching and ministering to people, didn't bring the crowd to him and say, all right, you're ready. Here he is. Here's your Messiah. It says in the very next verse, we go from Matthew 3 to Matthew 4, and the spirit of the Lord led Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Isn't it interesting that the first place the Holy Spirit sent Jesus after being baptized was right into the fire with the devil in isolation. You and him, one-on-one, here we go. See, we, we, we think, I'm saved, I'm born again, I've got this ability, I've got this gift, and now you're just ready to, to put it to use, put it to prayer. And God's saying, nope, there's a season here. You know where the, the Israelites had to go through before they got to the promised land after coming out of Egypt? The wilderness. And had they learned what they needed to learn in the wilderness, they would have been prepared for the promised land. Imagine, imagine if God would have taken them straight out of Egypt into the promised land, no wilderness. Boy, that would have been a mess. See, if God takes you straight into where he's wanting to take you, you'll throw it all away. You'll sabotage his plan. You'll compromise what God's wanting to do in your life. We need that season. It doesn't need to last long. It wasn't supposed to be 40 years. It was supposed to be 11 days. And if they had learned in 11 days, they would have been in the promised land. God doesn't want you wandering around in isolation for 40 years. That's what happens when we don't learn. That's what happens when we don't let God prune and grow and develop us the way that he, and so don't let God drag you into isolation. 
Don't let God drag you into that season of preparation. Go there willingly. Lord, what do I need to learn? What do I need to see? What are you teaching me? What are you showing me? Readiness is a matter of your hands. Willingness is a matter of your heart. The second statement. Readiness puts the capacity for success in your hands. Readiness puts the capacity for for success in your hands. But willingness puts the capacity for success in God's hands. Readiness puts the capacity for success in your hands. I see it all the time. People leaning on their own capacity to succeed. I read a quote, I think it was just today I just saw this. If people would quit trying to be more successful, they would be more successful. But when success is our primary focus, it's never obtained. No, readiness puts the capacity for success in my hands. And look, as you grow and as you develop, you'll succeed. At least it'll look like success. And that's one of the greatest dangers in our world today is the mirage of success, the feeling of success, the perception of success. We look successful. People look at us and they see that it looks successful. You're producing something, but it's only willingness that puts the capacity for true success in God's hands. And I don't want to be successful in man's eyes and fall short in God's eyes. You got to remember who you're truly serving. You got to remember who you're truly following. You got to remember who you're truly preparing to to succeed for. And I'll put it the other way. Success in God's eyes many times doesn't meet the measure of success in man's eyes. Don't get it confused. To be successful in God's eyes, I have to receive the approval of man. No, it might be the disdain of man that receives the approval of God. It might be the rejection of man that God looks down and says, you followed my order and my command to the T. I mean, who wants to be Jeremiah? Who wants to be Isaiah? I'm sending you to the people. They're not gonna listen. They're gonna reject you. I just need you to go and be my voice and be my mouthpiece. (laughs) That doesn't sound like success, does it? The Bible says it's the willing and obedient that will eat the good of the land. It's the willing and the obedient that eat the good of the land. I don't wanna just be obedient. God, I did what you said. Now where's my stuff? Now, I want to be willing and obedient. I want to have an obedient response, but I want to have a willing, a willing motive. 
a willing, whatever you want, wherever you send me. I don't care what it looks like to man. I don't care what they think. I don't care what they say. I don't care if they turn away. I don't care if they run the other. I, I just want to be successful in your eyes. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.